What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brent McGrath. How are you doing? Hopefully you're off to a good start this week. In case you missed it, on Friday, we launched Modern Day Marketer, the newsletter, the companion piece to this show. We have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out and learn more about that. I am fired up about it. We are using storytelling, curating content from marketers we're learning from in this space and using product data from the juice to help amplify some of those points. Now is a really good time to lean on your peers, to gather information. We're being told to do more with less and we're here to support you on this show, on that platform, and anything else we can do. I'm excited about this conversation. I got Jonathan back on the program. We are talking about how to be intentional about the audiences that we're communicating to. I think one of the most important things we can be doing and thinking about as marketers is writing, communicating, messaging, positioning with intention. It is very challenging. It is very difficult. We're certainly going through some of that at The Juice, so we share a little bit more. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, all the buttons. You know the drill. Most importantly, tell a damn marketer that you're enjoying the show. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What is up? Welcome back, everybody. Modern Day Marketer 2023. We are live. We are ready to go. It's been a fun start to the year for us. Um, I don't know. I told our team earlier that going back to work feels like a lot less work um, because I have a little one that ran me ragged over the holiday break, but I'm glad to be back. This is like week two, I think. I don't know. It all kind of blurs together of being back in the saddle. Feels like we're a lot is going on over here. If you're a new listener, we do these Monday conversations to just share some perspective on what we're working on, what we're thinking, uh, obstacles, roadblocks, all that fun stuff. But we're back with Jonathan. Jonathan is jo- joining us today to talk about a topic that I think is top of mind for us and really important. But Jonathan, welcome back to the show. How's it going? It's going well, Brett. I uh, got a peek into your world over the holidays. Uh, my wife and I, we've got a new uh, 10-month-old nephew who had just learned to walk and was in town. And uh, whew, that was a lot chasing him around for five or six days. Uh, so yeah, good to be back. Uh, kudos to all the parents, working parents out there. Uh, I don't have kids of my own, but man, for all of you that do, I hope uh, you did legitimately get some time to rest up and recharge over the holidays. Whatever that looks like for you, I hope you found some. Absolutely. Shout out all you working parents. Okay, let's start here. I said this, I think, in a, a team meeting this week, something to the effect of we had two separate initiatives that happened this past week. And when I, when we were talking about these things, I, I didn't really recognize it until the, the time, but we had something that was very member focused go out this past week. And then we have something that is very brand focused that went on last week. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I kind of rewound the tape back to, you know, like the first week or so of working at the juice and which seems like forever ago at this point. But, you know, conversation between you, me, Elena, who leads our growth about just communication strategies regarding members, strategy regarding brands. And we kind of went back and forth on a bunch of different things. And we went one direction, pulled it back, went another direction. But I I don't know, like there's been a lot of twists and turns in the road, but I, I finally feel like as a business, 
we have some clear understanding of what we want to do and how we want to focus what we're trying to say to the right person at the right time. So I know this is something just as you started the business, it's always been top of mind for you, but maybe talk a little bit about the history of our communication and the people we're talking to and uh, maybe what's worked and, and what hasn't in the past. Yeah, so I'm going to step back uh, for a moment. And, and as we talk about two audience, I'm going to kind of describe our business. You mentioned there might be some new year, uh, new listeners here. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about the history there. So we, our platform, The Juice, aggregates content, B2B content. Uh, we have over 100,000 pieces of B2B content on our platform. We then attract individual users or what we call members to the platform to look for that content. We curate content for them. We organize it, aggregate it for them and encourage them to read, to advance their career, make a purchasing decision, do industry research, trend research, competitive research, et cetera. So that's one audience. We're trying to attract an individual B2B professional. Uh, we call those members. Then the other audience is the brands who market their content through our platform. So since the very early days of our business, since day one of our business, we've had this chicken or egg problem, this marketplace problem, this dual-sided problem of who do we talk to and when? Who do we market to and when? In what channel? What's the call to action? Where do we find these people? How do we talk to them? So uh, you mentioned, it feels like this week, we finally have some clarity on how we do that. And I want to give encouragement to all the listeners out there. That's only taken us two entire years to figure out. So quite literally, uh, we are on, I think, the two-year, like five or six-day anniversary of you joining the Juice. And it's something I remember us talking about in the very early days. There have been some things that have worked really well for us. I would say uh, most kind of macro level for, for our business is that we chose to be the platform for sales and marketing content initially. And we chose that intentionally because we felt like that was the biggest overlap between who could be a member of our platform and who could be a customer of our platform. That has served us well because we have, just like our hypothesis, we have turned some members into customers. A lot of other stuff hasn't gone as well. And I think primarily that is just an, a consequence of trying to figure it out along the way. A lot of experimentation, some small things that worked, some small things that didn't work, some big things that worked, some big things that didn't work. I would say where we err most often is trying to do both at the same time and having even multiple call to actions at the same time repeatedly. We've done that two or three times and it's so tempting, right? It's hey, we've got this really cool member initiative. Well, okay, uh, cool. Uh, Kate, our sales rep, you know, not to call people out individually, we've all done this, but Kate wants to know, cool, how can we turn this into a pipeline building exercise? Or you'll say, hey, we have this really cool brand event coming up. It's like, oh, well, can we just make member acquisition a part of onboarding? It's like, all of a sudden the message gets, what are we asking people to do? What are they signing up for? What are what, what do we provide as a platform, as a brand? And so there's been a lot of wins. There's been a lot of losses along the way, but it has literally taken us two years to feel like we're starting to figure it out just a little bit. So I've often said this is like, if you want to become a better marketer, join a business that doesn't have a product yet and go build a marketing program. But I guess in hearing you talk, it's like, if you want to be a really, really good marketer, go join a business that doesn't have a product yet, but the product is going to have a dual-sided marketplace and go just figure that shit out because it'll take you about two years to, to do so. Maybe like, what is the, I don't know, for you, like, what was the moment? Like, what's the line of delineation where it's finally like, 
all right, we've tried this. This doesn't work this way. Let's just like draw a line in the sand and let's go one direction with one message for brands and another direction uh, with one message for members. Has it, was there a moment throughout all this when you kind of finally were like, all right, let's just separate this or maybe just uh, talk a little bit about kind of what has gone in your gone on in your head over these two years, reaching the conclusion that we're at now? I don't know that there's been a single aha moment. I think we've known pretty early on that this was going to be a challenge, that we needed to do this. I think the challenge has always been we have the resources, both you know human capital as well as financial capital of one business, but we're trying to build two businesses at the same time, one for the individual user, one for the brands. And so I think it's always just been like a desperate attempt at efficiency to do both at the same time. Um, and then if you can only prioritize one at the same time when you can't do both, it's like, oh, you, you feel like you're missing out and you get some of that FOMO. So I don't know that there's, I remember specifically some campaigns where we looked back and we're like, oh, we were really trying to do too much with that campaign. I remember that happening a few times over. Um, but I think the line in the sand of knowing we needed to do it happened pretty early on. I think the ability to do it is something we're just now growing into. I know you've spent a lot of the last two years just in conversations with investors, potential partners. When you're when you're talking in to them about like the two-sided nature of the business, the communication to each direction, like does what we're doing, I know it's we're not the only ones doing it. It's not unique to us, but it's unique to i think the industry if you zoom out and look at everything is do you is it complicated to have to explain that or are people on the other end typically get it uh no people on the other end don't typically get it if they do get it quickly and there are some then i try to dig in with all the energy i have with them because if they get it then like that's such a great sign for us a few things happen um, as I speak to investors. So sometimes I talk to investors who are just very general investors, software, hardware, consumer goods, like they're just investors, right? I say I'm very little chance of explaining B2B SaaS to them and then explaining our model to them. So that's those are always the most difficult pitches. Then to go the next layer is a B2B SaaS investor. And typically they get our they get our model with a little bit of explanation. I think the challenge there with the traditional B2B SaaS investor is that um, they always want to just look at ARR, right? Which is what makes B2B SaaS sexy for investors is the uh, ARR. Um, and so we as a team have all agreed that user growth, member growth is actually what will fuel the rest of our business. So we really want to prioritize any investment, any capital that we do have in growing that membership base. Uh, but then I, I kind of have to context switch when I'm talking to an investor to um, think about how what the ARR means to the business, how we grow that and kind of reverse engineer what we believe as a team is a little bit. Going to the far spectrum, I'd say there's even a, um, I've talked to marketplace investors specifically. We don't have a transaction on our platform, so we lose them a little bit there. Like we're not a traditional marketplace either. Uh, so that's a little strange. And then ultimately there's like some MarTech, B2B SaaS, maybe some dual-sided business models, marketplace models, uh, investors that, again, I talk to them right away and they get it. And it is always refreshing and they are aligned with our team. They're like, yeah, you need the capital to go attract the user base. That's going to be the lubricant for the rest of the business. 
how would you spend those dollars on acquiring the users? Those conversations are where uh, I get really excited because they see the same opportunity that we see. 100%. I think uh, uh, when, as I try to think about just the two audiences and just to paint the picture for anyone who's listening, I always like to think about like, what is the home base? Like, what are the home base for these people that we are trying to attract? Like, where is the ideal place to send them? I think a decision was made at the end of last year that was a really important one that um, I think for me personally allows us, me to think more clearly about where we send specific people to, whereas we made some changes on the website. And now the website, if you go to thejuicehq.com, it's very uh, brand oriented and brand focused. We got the question so many times, like, or the comment of, man, the juice, great brand. Everything you're 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 doing looks really cool, but I'm really just not sure what you do or or how I can use you. So very intentional about switching that up, where then the app is kind of the place where we want to send members, where it's pretty self-explanatory. Go to the app level up, start getting a personalized curated uh, content experience that'll make you better in your role. So just like it, it seems easy now, but it took a little while to get to that point to make those adjustments to change changes. So maybe like from your end, like, do you think those uh, decisions that we made to separate the two were important ones and that they will help us out? Or is there anything that maybe still might be a roadblock to kind of that clear separation between those two audiences we're trying to hit? I think they are very important. Uh, we made that clear decision in December. Since December, we have seen that decision pay off already in terms of more inbound leads from our website. I think less confusion on what we do when somebody visits our website. And so right decision already paying off. And I still think there's a lot of runway to continue to improve both of those experiences of kind of first-time visitor to our marketing site, the juicehq.com, first-time visitor to our platform, app.thejuicehq.com. I think the classic example here that I draw on often, there's there's a lot of them, but the one I think about is Spotify, right? If you go to spotify.com, it's the listener experience. If you go to pinterest.com, it's the pinner experience. If you go to glassdoor.com, it's the person reviewing. But all of those have a have another side of the platform. I think Spotify is ads.spotify.com. I think Pinterest is pinterest.com backslash business. I think Glassdoor is something similar to that as well, where uh, you have to kind of direct people in the right way and you have to kind of decide where you want the friction in that experience. And so I think we've done a good job of uh, first, again, trying to probably too much to be everything to everybody. And now we've delineated those, but I think there's even still a lot of opportunity to uh, better improve both of those experiences for people visiting each of those independently. But uh, so far, so good and excited to continue to grow. I just want to make sure this is super clear for the audience. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, Jonathan, but I think like ultimately the the view was always like home run scenario would be member goes on the juice, member has an amazing experience on the juice, member says, hey, you know what? I create content, my team creates content. How do we get this on the juice? Then they reach out and they say, hey, I want to buy your product. I want to start distributing. That I think is the home run scenario. And I think we were like, we were trying to over optimize for, for that to happen, but we kind of made the decision. Yeah. Well, this may happen. Um, we might not have all of the infrastructure, all the different hooks, everything in place currently to make that happen naturally today. And so then we made the the decision to kind of make like separate website app, 
but I think like, I, I think in talking with Chris and just future planning, like that is very much part of the vision, but you're the CEO, like, is that part of the vision? Uh, is this something that you think will eventually become part of the experience as you're using the juice? Like any perspective you have there? For sure. Part of the vision. And I think uh, you hinted at it a little bit, but the, I think under the hood to make that experience, you know, as inspirational as we want it to be. It, there's a lot of work there. Technically, from a design perspective, from a uh, conversion perspective, there's a lot to do. Um, and so I think some of the steps we're taking right now moves us in that direction. But the vision is certainly to better integrate those two experiences while we up-level both of them. So I want to hit on the two things. I I, I previewed it as we uh, started this conversation, just the two things that uh, happened last week um, that I think are important to call out because they are for those two specific audiences. So we had a member launch event on Wednesday uh, with Elena that I was just in a product meeting today where she said it was the highest engaged content day that we've ever had, which check the box. That's a successful day. As we're recording this today, we uh, have previewed with the brand side that we're relaunching our newsletter in a specific way to be focused in on storytelling data from our platform and curating really good content that we're seeing on our platform called Modern Day Marketer, which obviously, if you're listening, that's the name of our show. So it's going to serve as a companion piece. So two initiatives, same week, to talk a little bit about that from, from, from your perspective. Like I had that moment in a meeting where I was like, oh shit, like we're, this is cool. This is happening. Um, what's, what's your take on those two events, initiatives taking place in the same week and just like the future way we kind of communicate with the people that we're trying to reach. An earlier, younger version of the juice would have turned both of those into both member and brand acquisition activities. And we would have been overwhelmed. Our audiences would have been overwhelmed and nobody would have known what the hell was going on. Uh, and then this week uh, or last week, as you're listening to this, as you just referenced, like we've been able to do that in a way that makes sense internally. There's still been, it's still been a lot of work. It's not easy, but uh, it makes sense internally how we're doing it. And it's resonating with each audience independently. And that's gold, right? That is what we're doing. And so now we have to figure out how to uh, kind of operationalize or gain efficiencies as we do both those things. You know, last week, kind of happened organically that we just were working on two initiatives for two different audiences separately. And we've now set up the infrastructure to be able to do that at the same time. And they just ended up happening the same week. I don't know that that's the best way that like for our own internal sanity that we want to do it always into the future, but to have the flexibility to do that is uh, tremendous and not something we've had in the past. So uh, kudos. I know you've been working on that a lot. I know Elena on our team has been working on that a lot. So uh, kudos to each of them and uh, all the product team that's made it possible. I'm excited to continue to pour into that capability far into the future. I'm I'm curious on this one, and I'm going to tell the listeners right now, I have absolutely no idea what he is going to say. I think if I think about this for a second, I might be able to come up with some ideas, but I'm not sure. But since we're talking about the two audiences, since we have a lot of different priorities, uh, I feel more close to what's happening with the product than ever before. The listeners out there, you will be seeing more from us just in terms of giving you some sort of access to kind of roadmap where we're going, which I'm really excited about. More to come there. But in terms of like what excites you most about like member experience, focus, things that we could be building or working on or could potentially be in flight this year, 
And then two on the brand side, like what excites you the most about what we're building, what's in the pi- current par- product pipeline or what where we might go? On the member side, so it's a combination of what we just released and the foundation that's provided. So we just launched uh, a new homepage experience for people who have profiles on the juice. That's what we call my feed. So it's uh, brands and creators that you follow, as well as some uh, of what peers or people that look like you are engaging with and following as well. So making recommendations. It is just so much better than our former homepage. It's more engaging than our former homepage. And it's a great foundation to continue to build uh, social proof into to continue to build content recommendations, you know, all sorts of um, curation for you based on your job function, your profile, your industry, et cetera. Uh, it's just, it's so much better than what we had and the foundation for what we can do in the future with it's really, really exciting. That's on the member side. On the brand side, literally the minute before I jumped onto uh, this podcast recording, I don't even know if you've seen this yet, Brett, but we have a CRM integration and uh, we're better able now to measure the impact that the juice has had with our customers' revenue. So more and more marketing teams are feeling more and more pressure to show their results via revenue without them having to do anything other than set up the Salesforce integration. For our customers that have the CRM integration, we now know that on average, they're seeing 6.4x ROI on their investment in the juice. So what they invest in the juice, uh, you multiply that by 6.4 times. That's the amount of revenue we are generating. That is sourcing and generating for them. That's not just influence. That's not just touching. That is, we have generated that much revenue for them. It's an absolute no-brainer. We've tried very hard not to make this podcast a sales pitch, but uh, if you're a brand and you're feeling pressure uh, about how to show revenue impact of your content, uh, we have an answer to it. And it's a really good answer. And I am really excited to start to champion that. I have not seen it yet, but this this excites me. So I think the one of the coolest uh, threads that we have going on right now is this idea of better quantifying what's happening on the juice. And I think I've said this in about every meeting in 2023. So I'm going to repeat myself here again, Jonathan, for the listeners, but people that I talk to on this podcast, you know, you do your intros, your setup calls before you you know record it. And it's just the one continued thread I hear over and over again, as resources, budgets get cut, you know, the executives, the boss's boss wants to come and analyze everything that's happening within uh, the business, right? And marketing's always an easy target. And then you drill down deeper to that content marketing is an easy target because a lot of it is viewed by people who aren't in it every day as, you know, fluffy feel-good stuff when in all actuality, like anyone who's in a content role is very passionate about what they're building and developing and also believe what they're doing is tying back to their pipeline for their sales team. However, they don't have evidence to be able to prove that. So the question of what kind of ROI are we getting from our content marketing program is being emailed, slacked, texted, called to everyone who's head of content marketing right now. And in most cases, those content marketing leaders are trying to scramble to get the right data points and the right evidence to not only save their job, but save the job of the people that are working on their team. So this is real. This is happening. And I think the fact that we're working on it in this capacity is really exciting. As a marketer, I'm really pumped to be able to start telling the story around this because 
not only do I think it will resonate, but I think it will have an immediate impact for anyone who's in that position. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the unfortunate reality of where we're at. You mentioned, you know, marketers feeling pressure and, you know, I hope it's not like that forever. Uh, I hope we keep uh, providing, you know, 6X plus ROI, and we'll certainly try to do that. And it's a shame right now how it's having to be used to kind of feel like you're justifying your role or justifying budget or or maintaining resources, but that's the reality. And if you are feeling those pressures at all, like we're here to help. And in good times and bad times, we're here to help and, and show the value of your content. And uh, I'm excited that we're able to do that because there's a lot of really good marketers that maybe haven't had that horsepower before. And now uh, we can help. Final thing in closing, I know there's an event coming up that you are hosting. A lot of marketers, a lot of salespeople are out there right now, either actively in their sales kickoffs or about to be in their sales kickoffs. So why don't you plug the event? I'm giving you the floor. Yes, it is Super Bowl season, uh, both for football, although not for Brett and I's football team, the Colts, because their season is over. Uh, it lasted too long. But it is Super Bowl season in football as well as for sales enablement teams everywhere. It is SKO season. Um, so we know this is the big annual event for sales enablement professionals, sales enablement teams, rev ops. Uh, maybe product marketing, maybe some marketing teams being involved, internal communications. It's a really big, really important event. I would, just as you and I were talking about, I would suspect that this year there's even added pressure uh, coming out of probably a rough year for most businesses uh, to make sure that you're resetting, recharging, and energizing your team. I've been a part of a lot of SKOs, some good, some bad. I am by no means an expert but what we have done is we have gathered experts uh, that we know that are in our network. So we're being joined by the Guru team and the Spiff team. Uh, I'm going to host a panel conversation with them. We're going to have an open Q&A. We're going to talk about uh, what the 2023 SKO looks like for them, their experiences, how to infuse culture into your SKO, the short-term versus long-term impact. That's going to be a really exciting conversation. I'm excited to learn from it. Uh, I get to host it, but um, I'm going to try to probably be keeping some notes during it as well. Uh, it is on January 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern. We would love to see you there. We will put a link in the show notes. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you or hear you back on here. We will, I'm sure, have another conversation very, very soon. Take it easy, man. Thanks, Brett. Awesome to get Jonathan back in the saddle, talk a little bit about what we're working on, things we're doing, where we're going. There is a lot on our list of priorities this year, and you will be hearing some of the behind the scenes stuff we're thinking about here on this show. Take care of yourself. Have a really good week, and we'll talk to you soon.